Meatballs, meatballs. Meatballs, meatballs, number nine. This is Meatball Fulton. I want to tell you about the fourth tower of Inverness. But first, for those of you who have heard a few of my other podcasts, you may notice that my voice sounds different. The reason is I've been sick. I mean physically sick. Like in and out of the hospital when I'd never been in a hospital in my life except to visit some poor sucker who was stuck in there. So after weeks and weeks of tests, my friend, the gypsy Marika, said to me, get a test for Lyme disease. And I told her, the doctors tell me I don't have the symptoms. But the gypsy said, do it or die. Since she put it that way, I did get a test. And sure enough, that's what I got, friggin' Lyme disease. I got bit by a deer tick. I haven't written anything in almost three months, but I am recovering, I am on my feet, I can actually speak. So, all that aside. And now, we return to the thrilling adventure serial, The Fourth Tower of Inverness. Darkness shrouds the old Victorian mansion set high upon the mountaintop overlooking the Bay of Inverness. Clouds move swiftly across the moon. In the stillness of the night, a form can be seen creeping slowly, cautiously through the dark, silent halls of Inverness. I want to tell you about the fourth tower of Inverness. We're offering the daily episodes for downloads, and it's free. It's exactly the same episodes that were aired on radio back in 1972. In fact, the fourth tower first aired starting in September and went on daily for three months. That's exactly 35 years ago. Amazing. You will arrive at a place where you'll be able to be anywhere, whenever you wish where the place where you'll be is outside time and space. There's still a certain freshness and innocence about the fourth tower, and that's because no one knew what the heck they were doing. We'd never done a daily radio serial before, and I certainly had never written one. And I remember years later turning on the radio, and there was Dr. Missoula talking to Jack, and it sounded like he was about to lose it. What do you know about the Wurlitzer of Wisdoms? You were in the East Tower? The Madonna Vampira took me there. The Madonna Vampira? Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. And then she split, and there I was alone. And the next moment, in came Meanie Eenie, or, or someone that looks just like her, and she tried to slice me into little pieces with a big meat cleaver. Impossible, impossible. What do you mean, impossible? Meanie Eenie is like, is like a child, a prankster, but never cruel. And when the world wants her wisdoms, it's one... <laughs> and when the world... <laughs> In other words, you feel it couldn't have been Meanie Eenie. That was Dave Herman, the narrator, who's also doing Dr. Missoula. I'd forgotten how we'd recorded for days at a time until everyone got so punchy. If someone made a mistake, we'd just fall on the floor laughing. Little Frida is gone. So she is gone? Yes, I'm afraid so. She was not able to rematerialize. I see. She's gone back to her people. But she's all right. Oh, yes, yes, she is. It's very difficult to manifest your own self normally. 
And after Dr. Mazula's laboratory exploded, she wasn't able to... <laughs> <laughs> speak about being punchy, sometimes the laughter would just go on and on and it took us forever to get back into it again. But other than not having a body, she's perfectly healthy. One of the funniest or silliest episodes was Jack and the Swans. We'd roll tape without their even having read the script. And this time, I wrote it in a completely different style just to see what they'd do. And so the swans bind themselves to him by an oath. And Jack takes hold of them by the neck, one in each hand. And they stretch out their necks and fly away with him over the desert. And he leaves far behind him the eyes of the Rakshasas glowing in the sand as if with rage to see him escape. After a long while, they come down to the edge of the desert. Jack looks down and sees, far below him, the blue sea, shimmering like the eyes of the goddess he had seen floating in that lotus pool. And at a distance in the water, like a dusky jewel on a purple carpet, he sees an island with a city on it. Tell me, what is that island I see below me? You mean it's finally the land of the lotus jukebox? In his delight, <laughs> in his delight, Jack lets go and claps his hands and falls like a stone into the sea. Should we uh, continue on with this? You're all fired. Hell, through. I stole little wise spiritual bits from all over the place, Sufi, Hindu, Zen, Tibetan, and I had something called the World It Serve Wisdoms that played little bits from Ram Das. Because everybody has an external model in the West of what you're supposed to do. I'll do this, I'll go from point A to point B, and then I'll be there. <laughs> Where will you be? Well, I'll be here. Well, if you could be here, you'd be here. <laughs> You think by going there, you'll be here? <laughs> See, it's only when you realize that there's no there that you're here. And until then, you keep going there. Interminably. Lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. Right? It's always there. We were recording the actors as I was writing it. I'd write three or four weeks' worth of script, and then we'd bring the actors in to record. Robert Lorick, who does Jack, said to me, it'd be easier for him to act the part if he knew what the outcome was. I had no idea where the story was going, so I said, Robert, just think of it like real life. Who knows what's going to happen next? And he accepted that. And so Jack returns, back down the steps of the tower, across the extension ladder bridge, back through the walls of the old Victorian mansion and in through the sliding panel in the study. Well, it's good to be back. Seems like I've been away for years. Odd. Things look different, somehow. It's strange that there's no one about. It's so quiet. Welcome back! Oh! oh, it's you, Jives. I didn't see you standing in the shadows there. You scared me. And then I wrote in the character of Lord Jowls. I hadn't even thought about who was going to do it, when lo and behold, he appeared. It was Murray Head, who was a friend of Max, one of the original Zebras. Murray, who is authentically English, had just recorded Jesus Christ Superstar, the single, that's before the musical. 
And the year before, Murray had also done a movie with Glenda Jackson and Peter Finch, Sunday Bloody Sunday. It's a good movie. So here was my Lord Jowls. He just stepped in through the door. And that's the way things seem to happen. There sure are a lot of hunting trophies. You want to see my invisible trophies? Like what? Stuffed demons. That sort of thing. Is it difficult to stuff a demon? Oh, yes. Mainly because first you have to kill it. And that takes the cool skill of a matador combined with the calm steadfastness of a saint. The final thrust is a combination of pure white light and utmost subtlety. After that, it's all sawdust. Well, I don't think I'm ready for all that. It's our fears that give them strength, my boy. Stronger fear and you'll be ready for almost anything. Almost anything? Ah, a thousand-armed demon has something up many sleeves. Ah, so, here. Hmm. Hmm. This is where we are now. And over here... This has got to be the weirdest map I've ever seen. Hmm. It represents the various realms that exist side by side. The fourth tower is a mystery, it's amusing, and there's a lot of substance to it, too. And, you know, it's fun. And now you can hear it as it first came out 35 years ago, as a daily radio serial. So starting on Monday, September 10th, you can download the first episode, and then a fresh episode every day thereafter. Each episode will be up for a week, and it's free. Go to our website, zbs.org. This is Meatball Fulton.